Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, depending on when it is you are listening to this. I'm just uh, glad that you have downloaded the Cannabis 101 podcast, episode 23. Remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Happy to have you aboard, looking forward to bringing you some uh, good education and some entertainment along the way on this episode, and there is one way that I like to get things going around here when it comes to starting off the show. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Weed is awesome. This is great. This is the bee's knees. All right, I want to know what's your groove, if you are grooving. And when I say that, I mean, what are you going with? What strain? Are you smoking a joint, hitting the bong, some edible, some oil? Who knows? Maybe you're dabbing. What's your groove? I'm grooving today with uh, some uh, a pre-roll, Sky Pilot from Tantalus Labs. Uh, has my favorite terpene, uh, karyophylline, is a major part of it. So I'm going to get that uh, spice. I love the way they grow and uh, I'm, you know, working on uh, getting somebody from Tantalus Labs on the show. Chris Ionson and I have featured this strain and what's your strain in the past. And so uh, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to get this going. I hope you are uh, doing the same whenever it is you are listening to this. And now let's, uh, let's get our groove on. Even burn, oh man, just love the little hints of spice. I am, uh, I am definitely buying uh, strain spe- uh, specific based on terpenes now, and and I think I I hope that's the way we, that's where we get to um, as a consumer at uh, some point. All right, on the show today, Jennifer Mason from New Heights Cannabis. A New Heights uh, Cannabis Summit happened last Monday in Ontario, and uh, it sounds like it was an amazing event. Uh, I can't wait for the second one. Uh, So we'll talk with Jennifer a little bit later about cannabis tourism, uh, what it is, what it needs to be, how does it compare to the U.S. where it's state by state as opposed to an entire country. Uh, So interesting conversation on that sort of business and um, you know, it, you know, there's not a lot of cannabis friendly hotels yet. Hopefully we do get there. Also, Chris Ionson will join me as usual in what's that strain. We are doing outlaw amnesia from acreage farms, limited, a sativa dominant hybrid. Uh, very nice. Um, it, it breaks one of my rules. It uh, doesn't have a lot of karyophylline. Uh, some of the main terpenes in that one are myrcene. Uh, pinene, uh, limonene, um, but uh, it's a good one. It's a bit of a, a fast hitter. It comes on uh, strong, and um, you can 
enjoy the wave of that one. So we'll, we'll bring you What's That Strain uh, a little bit later uh, on in the program. I do want to tell you about the Cannabis Character Cup that continues. Only six more matches left, including the one that is up right now at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. Jeff Spicoli versus Saul Silver right now. Spicoli, a number four seed. Uh, Silver is a number 12 seed. So maybe a bit of a surprise that he has made it this far into uh, the Elite Eight. The match that just uh, went down was the man played by the number one seed, Tommy Chong, up against Carl Spackler, uh, Bill Murray from Caddyshack, or iconic character. And the man, the number one seed, would prevail, as you would expect the number one seed to do. Tommy Chong wins with 66% of the vote. You can vote right now. Saul Silver, Jeff Spicoli. Have your say at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. And finally, before we get into the show, you can get 50% off a DNA kit from Lobo Genetics just for using the promo code Cannabis 101. All one word, Cannabis 101. Head to www.lobogene.com, pick up a DNA kit, use the promo code Cannabis 101, and learn about you, your body, and cannabis how your metabolism works with cannabis, which strains are right for you for an appropriate mood. It's amazing when you can tailor your cannabis use strictly to what you need. Get the most out of your cannabis and get 50% off while doing it with the promo code CANNABIS101 at www.lobogene.com. So check it out, uh, Lobo. Genetics. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. The cannabis question this week is how often do you buy pre-rolls? I am finding myself uh, buying pre-rolls more and more often these days. Uh, They're so convenient if I'm out and going somewhere and I don't have time to uh, throw it together uh, in my uh, little kit that I have. I'll just stop and grab a couple. Uh, Also, you know, if you you know somebody that likes a, a specific strain, you're heading out, boom. Nice little gift to give them uh, when you arrive. Uh, you know, the uh, a cooler version, uh, I think, than uh, a, a bottle of wine. Pick up a nice pre-roll for that person. So how often do you buy pre-rolls? And here's a funny story. When uh, legalization took place just over a year ago now, I think it was in January. Might have been in the uh, either December or January. I went to a bunch of stores looking for some pre-rolls, and they were all sold out. And I just couldn't understand it. I was like, really? Just get a bunch of guys that are really good at rolling in the back room continually doing it. Remember Kramer and the uh, Dominicans with the cigars? Get a group of guys that are good at rolling. I had no idea that they all came prepackaged and individual. I thought it was basically just pile of weed in the back, 
you grab this, you grab that, roll it together. I didn't know. Obviously, it's a little bit different than that. But I'm finding myself buying pre-rolls a lot more um, than I thought I would. You know, I still have the Banana Bros uh, rolling machine because I can't roll. Um, so I still mostly roll at home um, with uh, stuff that I've purchased. But more and more, I'm uh, getting into the convenience of pre-rolls and um, the variety. You know, I don't have to buy uh, three and a half grams, seven grams of something. I can just grab a quick pre-roll, half gram, try it out. If I like it, go back for more. I don't know. I like it. I'm, I'm finding I'm doing it a lot more. So that's the cannabis question. How often do you buy pre-rolls? Uh, you can get a hold of us anytime to respond to our cannabis question and some of the other things we'll be throwing at you. On Twitter, we're at the Cannabis 101. Instagram, at the Cannabis 101 Podcast. On Facebook, at Cannabis 101 Podcast. And you can email me, Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. That's Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. I am getting some emails. I will try to get back to as many of you as uh, as soon as I can, but I do really appreciate the feedback uh, and uh, the love that you're uh, showing me on the emails. Thank you very much. Uh, for past episodes, you can check us out on the web at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. And you can also check out the contest section while you are there. And before we get to our uh, first guest, Jennifer Mason from News Height and the New Heights Cannabis Summit, we have to get to what goes well with. And that is basically anything that pairs well with cannabis. I love that I'm getting suggestions from listeners for this as well. So keep those coming in. Keep sending in your suggestions. Uh, today I'm going with meditation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a guy that uh, suffers from anxiety and, and has a journey with uh, mental health, uh, depression and anxiety and PTSD. And, uh, I, you know, I use cannabis for that, uh, whether it's uh, the uh, THC or CBD, uh, soon to be some of the other great uh, cannabinoids that we're going to learn about. Um, but I also uh, pair my cannabis with some meditation and some uh, meditation apps that I have. And uh, it's it's a really good way to relax. It's a really good way to recenter. Uh, so for me, I'm going with uh, meditation as what pairs well with cannabis. Before we get to Jennifer Mason of New Heights Cannabis, I want to uh, tell you about Legendary Barbershop, 117th, Ave, 117th Street and Jasper Ave. Ask for Morgan, that's my niece, and uh, they love talking cannabis at Legendary Barbershop. Jennifer Mason from New Heights Cannabis Summit on the other side of this. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very pleased to be speaking with Jennifer Mason, the founder of New Heights Cannabis, and uh, an event that just took place last week, a uh, 
uh, Cannabis Tourism Summit. Uh, Jennifer, thank you very much for joining us here on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Uh, I guess let's maybe start with, you know, what was the impetus of of getting this event off the ground? Um, You know, what was it that made you think this is something we need right now to take this uh, cannabis movement forward? Yeah, great. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, yeah, so it started for me last September, so September 2018. Um, I have my own agency called JLM Strategic Marketing, and one of the uh, industry verticals that I've worked in for many years is tourism. And I've worked with uh, the tourism organizations, a number of them in the province of Ontario, um, either hosting you know, uh, media events for them, industry events, or consumer events. And um, I went to a uh, annual town hall meeting, and it brings together the province. Uh, it was hosted in Toronto, and then um, the Tourism Industry Association of Canada also participates in that town hall, and they kind of roll it across the country. And when it was in Ontario last year, um, it was a couple of months out from legalization of cannabis, and uh, there was a Q&A portion to the town hall, and a number of the partners of so the businesses that operate in tourism, like resorts or hotels or tour operators, uh, restaurants, etc., were asking, you know, legalization is coming. What does that mean for tourism, and and how do we take advantage of the uh, cannabis industry in the tourism sector? So at the time, it was still illegal, and the industry, uh, fair enough, said, you know, we're not sure. Actually, um, we want to wait and see what happens as legalization rolls out. And there were some that understood that perspective very well, and others were a little disappointed because they had some ideas and they were interested in getting started. And so I had worked with a lot of these individuals, and I, you know, offered up a comment during that saying, you know, if you're a business and you have an idea or you're curious and you want to get started, there's no reason why you can't. I understand what the industry's position, but I'd be glad to talk to you about it. And so after that, Session and during the networking part of the event, uh, many people came up to me and were asking me for their help. And you know, could you help educate us and you know, um, perhaps host an event? And uh, so I ended up creating a cannabis marketing summit, and I hosted it at the CN Tower in January, which was 90 days after legalization. And the reason I went to a cannabis marketing conference versus the tourism one at the time was that I realized as I started to dig into it um, that. You know, we needed to establish the industry, the the products, the brands, the channels for distribution and sales um, before you could actually get to tourism. It was a little bit downhill from that. And um, and so that was a great event. Um, It was a one day conference and um, we had a number of different speakers. I think we had 19 speakers and 16 different partners. And, um, you know, there was a lot of enthusiasm and it was really about brand building at the time. And then fast forward, you know, to now, um, and actually in the spring, uh, it seemed to be that things were progressing very nicely in Canada around uh, the legalization of REC. There were more retail outlets launching. And then I started to hear about some projects that were under the, underway in the tourism sector related to cannabis. And so I started working with the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario to develop this conference that we just had last uh, week. And their rationale, their um, motivation for partnering with me was that um, they were getting a lot of questions from their members, similar to that town hall I was referring to, about what to do. And they actually said, we don't have the knowledge, but we have a partner that can build that for you. So um, the day was really 
um, a pilot from my perspective. You know, I didn't know. We were hearing all kinds of questions and interests. We did, I didn't know what would happen and where we would net out. Um, and it turned out it was a great day. It was um, We had a great turnout and a lot of excitement and interest around it. And then through, you know, building the agenda and talking to different businesses, I started to learn more and more about all of the developments that were happening in the industry. And some of those people were featured at our event. So that's sort of a long-winded version of how we got to the event. Well, yeah, and it, and it took a, a long time to, to get to the event. So uh, the answer is certainly uh, worthy of it. So last Monday, October 28th, uh, uh, you guys had uh, the first New Heights Cannabis Tourism Summit. Um, I, I yes. guess take me through um, in the day. Um, was it... Uh, um, you know, was it, uh, did it go by really fast? Um, you know, was it packed full of uh, information? How do you think the, uh, the, the re or give me a recap of what the summit was like. Yeah. So it, the day was very packed. Um, it, it was a, a mix of keynote speakers and panels. We also had some amazing partners. Um, so I carried the agenda months before I actually filled in all the speakers. And some of them came on board right away. Some of them participated in the marketing conference this past January. So they wanted to get in on the tourism one. So I had a few anchor speakers right away that had excellent content. And then I also worked with the Tourism Industry Association to see what kind of questions they were getting from their members so that we were answering some of those questions. Um, and I kind of opened the day with what's a can of tourism product and, and where do I go from here? How do I get started? And part of the day was also an introduction of these two industries. So introducing the tourism industry to the cannabis industry and helping them understand how each industry works from a high level and then the opportunity for partnerships. So it was a combination of those two things. And, you know, the biggest question I got when I was developing this program is what is it? What is Canada? What do you mean by Canada's tourism? So it was just like, you know, creating that um, baseline with everybody. And so, you know, I kind of break out uh, Canada tourism right now at a very high level into three segments. There's medical tourism, which is actually a very growing, a big growing sector. There's recreational and then there's pets, which is another emerging sector. We were mostly focused around recreational, but there was a bit of an overlap with medical. Um, and the reason being with the introduction of some new products in Canada, like the topicals, um, that really opens up a whole wellness side of things like wellness spas, CBD massages, things like that. And then on the rec side, um, with edibles and beverages launching, that opens up a whole culinary world. And... So these two things are starting to transition the industry away from the stigma of smoking and this whole partier kind of um, subversive nature to a more respected and mainstream industry. And, um, and then Canada tourism can be very complicated or it can be very simple. So for instance, it could be a, a hotel or a resort deciding that they are cannabis friendly in some way. They might have a smoking area or they may... Um, just, you know, op offer educational things around cannabis. Um, for a licensed producer, they may decide they want to offer tours of their facility to educate people and, um, you know, give them an idea of what, how the whole growing um, works and what the plant is like. So one of our partners was Smith Falls, and of course they have the Tweed Visitor Centers there, which is the Canopy Growth Headquarters. And uh, so you can actually tour the visitor center you can um, go in there they have a nice gift shop so you can see some of their merch they're not selling any products there they're selling branded uh, merch and accessories 
Then there's like a museum, which is like an interactive discovery center, which teaches you about the endocannabinoid system in our body and the plant. And you learn about terpenes and, you know, just some things on a high level. And then also the history of the plant and how we got to legalization. And then you actually get to tour the facility. So you're looking at some of the grow rooms through these beautiful picture windows, and you can see them at four different stages of their growth. And uh, it's a guided tour, and they kind of explain to you some details about the plant and how they cultivate it and the quality, the product quality. But also, very interestingly, it's attached to, or the, the plant is actually an old Hershey factory. And with edibles launching, they are starting production on their um, chocolate. So that actually started on October 17th. And so you can actually see the line through some of the windows as well. When I was there, it was a a month or so before they actually were able to legally produce the chocolate. So I only saw the machine set up and the line ready to go, but not production. Now you can actually see them producing it. And um, and then um, you come out and there's a coffee shop. So it's a really nice experience. And they've had, I don't know, I'm guessing about over 30,000 international visitors already to that visitor center. And um, people who are coming there are looking for a hotel, they're looking for a restaurant, they may want to do some other experiences. So that kind of well-rounded tourism experience goes beyond just that one visit. And then that opens up the door to, okay, well, what else is kind of friendly and what else can I do? So that sort of gives you an idea of what uh, the product can look like. Data is a really important element. So what are the trends? Uh, what are the buying um, indicators for the market size, for the types of products, for the demographics? Um, so we had Tech Connected Interactive come in and show us their data, and they did a really great job of, you know, presenting a new customer that people wouldn't necessarily believe, like the 45-plus being a huge opportunity um, for wellness and spa experiences. So that was really helpful to to get a vision of what the customer looks like and how it's evolving and changing. And then um, we talked about branding and, um, you know, how you actually market and target um, a product in uh, a very highly restricted marketing and advertising environment. And um, and then we had some great examples. Ms. Balls came into the keynote and talked about their research study comparing the opportunity for cannabis tourism with wine tourism and the similarities um, there because there's no way of predicting on its own cannabis tourism because there's no historical. So they were just using that as like a similar opportunity. So that was very interesting. And then we had a great tourism trailblazer panel with four different people, including the Tweet Visitor Center that I just talked about, um, sharing their experiences and what they've got in development right now. And uh, then we had a culinary cannabis presentation, talked about legal and compliance. We had an opportunity for some interactive um, exchanges between the delegates where we had Marilyn Barefoot come in and do a brainstorming session to start idea generation. And then we talked about PR and social media and we capped it off with a networking event at the end of the day. So that was sort of the full thing, but it was really a full agenda. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and, that, yeah. That's a, People that... said to me... People said to me afterwards, you know, they go to conferences and maybe it's 20% new information and the rest is kind of reminders. And they said for you, it was like 90% yeah. new content. My head is bursting kind of thing. So that's always uh, good to hear. Yeah, lots of good content for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder... There have been areas uh, all over the world that have, um, you know, made the economy stronger because of tourism. And I look at the wine industry, mm-hmm. Napa Valley, Sonoma, here, yep. in, here in Okanagan, and, and certainly down 
in the Niagara region. Um, do you ever see the day where um, LPs open up their tours uh, similar to those wine tours where they're allowed to um, people to sample the product and tour the mm-hmm. facilities like we see wine tours? And you know what, listen, uh, there are so many things that could happen down the road. We're, we're so new into this, but is that something that you could see being something down the road uh, that we see at, at LPs, like wine tours that they get? I think so. And, you know, that, that would be a great change to the regulations and would allow um, for some of these craft growers to get a presence, just right. like the wine industry, right? So, um, you know, you could do a combination of a wine and cannabis tour, and it's all about craft and local food and so it could be like a really nice experience where you'd visit a winery a cannabis uh, facility then you might go and have a meal um there could be an education part of it in the same way that a sommelier could take you through the grapes and the growing and the soil and and all the nutrients and the regions and how they create their particular flavors and brands um, that is also part of cannabis and we're just you know there's still so much research to be done we're just mm-hmm. learning about terpenes and uh, the cannabinoids and you know we have the two most famous ones the THC and the CBD but there are apparently hundreds of cannabinoids that could have an impact on our bodies in a in a wellness kind of way or maybe there's some you know um, things that we should be aware of that are not necessarily so good so all of these factors I think can create that environment where can tourism can look like wine tourism. And then the other piece that you mentioned is the whole, the notion of sampling. Like if I did a tour of a grow facility and I got to touch and feel and smell the plant and I had my whole education, could I then go and have a curated meal? Right. And then could I also buy some of that product and take it home? And right now you can't, um, but it, that would be a nice development. So that, you know, these smaller guys can also have a presence too. And it creates this really great experience for everybody because agro-tourism, agricultural tourism is another really interesting thing that there's a lot of um, excitement around. So this sort of is in that round too. So the first event uh, went off really well last Monday. And, and I imagine mm-hmm. uh, your mind is already working on future events. Uh, do, do, do you have any concrete plans uh, to host future uh, events uh, like this that, uh, you know, maybe expand into a couple of days or things like that. But what's the future of uh, uh, New Heights Cannabis uh, Tourism Summit? Yeah, so we're in planning right now, um, you know, taking feedback from our two events that we hosted this past year and looking ahead to 2020. Um, I know that there's an enormous amount of interest in repeating and growing the event um, with the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario next year. So we're looking, we're in talks right now of doing that. They've um, already selected their location for their summit next year, which is in uh, at Deerhurst Resort in Muskoka. So um, I can see us doing this again and probably doubling in size um, in terms of delegates and pending. And uh, then I'm getting a lot of interest from Western Canada and also the U.S. So um, not every state, of course, is in a position in the U.S. to do anything with Canada tourism, but the, the, the industry continues to evolve. And as things change and develop, then we'll see more of that. I know that California already is making a lot of inroads, and they're probably a couple of years ahead of us. But what, what is interesting to note with uh, Canada's tourism is just, if you go back to creating a tourism product, it's not necessarily a one and done. And as a business, you're not isolated. 
you have to work with the community within the neighborhood that you're in, but also the community of tourism. So I'll give you an example. If I'm a resort, let's say I'm a spa and I'm located in Bancroft and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, the new spa that's in development there because it's a very exciting kind of tourism product. So I have a spa there and I want to attract guests. Well, I need to have some sort of a booking partner and many tour operators, probably 99% of them use a third-party booking engine as well as some of their own proprietary booking. So a booking.com or something of those, that nature. So they, they need uh, support booking. They need flights or ground transportation. They need restaurants to feed people. And then people want to do excursions. Uh, shopping is another element of it. Of course, the whole culinary. So it takes multiple different partners to develop these tourism products to create something of quality for your guests. And um, so if I go to the example of Bancroft, that's a um, cottage country in Ontario. It's about a two and a half hour drive outside of Toronto. And uh, there was an old abandoned chipboard factory in Bancroft. And Aeropond Leaf Canada is um, intending to be a licensed producer. They're in the uh, licensing phase right now. They purchased this abandoned factory where 350 people lost their jobs over 10 years ago. And they're going to convert it into their licensed facility. But something unique that they're doing is they're using aeroponics technology for their growing, which means um, that there's no soil and that the roots are suspended and it's all controlled through smartphone technology. So it increases the yield because there's no soil, there's no fowl. You don't have to put pesticides because, again, without soil, you're not dealing with those issues. So, And it'll be fascinating as a, a tourist to go and see that because it's not the norm. Um, then they also plan to build a lodge for accommodations and then a bunch of cottages along the river. And then along with that, they're going to have um, a spa. So there'll be massages and saunas and whirlpools and things like that. And then future plans include a, a craft group hub and a retail outlet and then a restaurant. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing development. And when Aeropon Leaf were looking at that property, rather than just going in and buying it and starting to develop, they were smart about it. They said, you know, this is going to have a big economic impact on the area. And we also want to become a good neighbor. We want to be part of the community. So they started working with the mayors in the region. There's two of them that kind of are in that region. The property straddles a couple of areas. And then they had, they, you know, are you guys interested? Okay, yes, we're interested, but we should have a town hall. Let's bring the community together. So I believe they got about 180 people out to the town hall. And they got so much enthusiasm in terms of, yes, this is something we want. Um, we would love to see you bring some jobs back. So they're predicting at least 200 new jobs can be formed from those lost ones from the past. And then they are, they're offering a service because in the summertime, Bancroft is very busy and it's a happening place. But in the wintertime, there's not that much going on. And so this could become a four season um, tourist venue by offering the spa because the spa could run all year round. And then they also discovered there's a snowmobile track that goes right beside their property. And a lot of these snowmobilers end up in Bancroft uh, um, in the evening looking for somewhere to go to eat or another activity once they've done their ride or maybe overnight accommodation. And there isn't a heck of a lot there for them. So they thought, okay, we can service these people as well. So, you know, they're creating... Uh, they looked at it from a very big picture perspective, being part of the community as an economic driver and being, you know, celebrating the whole Canada tourism um, 
legalization. So I thought it was a really brilliant uh, example of what can be created. But of course, that requires time, <laughs> um, a lot of investment, and um, you know, a lot of people involved in order to make it a success. Yeah, no kidding. That sounds like a uh, uh, a massive undertaking that uh, you know, if they're patient with it, uh, could grow. Because I think we do have to be patient uh, with this industry yeah. and not expect that golden goose to show up right away and get rich quick. We have to kind of be in it for the the long game. And and I and I wonder in the long game if we'll ever see uh, cannabis cafes, cannabis friendly cafes. Uh, maybe on the edibles and the drink and the food side. I'm not sure if we'll ever see uh cannabis cafes where you can light up and smoke but what about hotels are you seeing more cannabis friendly hotels where you can not only enjoy edibles but also uh light up in designated areas so there's not many um but there are a few and uh forbes actually had an article um last or two weeks ago where they listed the best cannabis friendly hotels in the world and there was a uh, an Ontario property listed there, which is Sir Sam's. Um, so they have started this past summer becoming a cannabis-friendly hotel. And for them, it was also a bit of an experiment because they, they wanted to make their guests happy, but they also don't want to alienate. And so how do we do it well and responsibly? And at the time, they couldn't do edibles, but now um, they can consider that. So, you know, it was just, A, like, you know, making their guests feel comfortable that, you know, if you want to consume, there's nothing wrong with it. You're allowed. It's legal. And we're going to create a zone for you to go and do that. And I believe it's outdoor for them. So that was easy because they didn't, you know, that if they have a smoking section outside. So they, you know, it became a smoking section for cannabis. But to your point, we're going to evolve past smoking because people who don't smoke are very unlikely to start smoking. Right. But now that edibles and topicals are here, um, that starts to open people's mind up to say, well, maybe I would try it, you know, and see how I go because it's not about smoking. So I think it's like as things evolve, we're going to see those changes. Um, to your point about the cafes and lounges, that's a personal um, wish for me because I, I think that we haven't completed the legalization um, mandate unless we provide a safe and healthy uh, environment for people to consume. And we haven't done that yet. We said, okay, you can smoke anywhere where it's legal to smoke, but there's not very many places you can go and do that. And if I go out for dinner and I'm dressed up nicely and I want to have a drink and I want to have a meal and then maybe uh, we want to consume, well, we have to go outside and find an alley or go down the street and somewhere in a not very safe and very respectable location to consume. And I think that's either you're putting them in a place where they might do it where they're annoying other people or they might go somewhere where there are kids where there shouldn't be. Um, and so it's just not, it's not completing the story and, and it's not making people feel good about it. It's not removing stigma. And um, if you provide a good environment where people can consume, then you're going to get people off the streets and you're not going to have that smell wafting around that people are complaining about. But yeah. again, I don't think it's about smoking. I think the long term is about cannabis just being an accepted CPG brand or yeah. CPG product. I, uh, and, um, I agree. Yeah, we're going to see it in lots of, and the whole wellness angle is a is a huge opportunity because with an aging population in Canada, um, you know, this whole notion of being on multiple medications, this whole polypharmacy and, and the opioid crisis, I mean, cannabis is being heavily researched right now and is already 
considered to be an alternative to some of those things. So as that research continues and people become more comfortable, you're going to see these elderly people start to enter uh, the industry and it's really going to change how people view it. You know, if I even just talk to like my own immediate circle, if I'm dealing with my parents who are quite conservative and we never talk cannabis before legalization and my mom, you know, thought, oh, I would never touch the stuff. Just last week, she's like, oh, my friend is starting to use this cannabis cream and it's really <laughs> helping with this, their arthritis or whatever. And she's like, I should try it. What do you think, Jennifer? You know, so you're starting to get those people kind of curious into the funnel right now. Uh, that is uh, that is great. So we know where cannabis tourism is right now, as you have explained mm-hmm. some of the things that we have. Um, you know, where could it be? I don't, I don't know if a year is enough, but uh, maybe no. the next couple of years, because things have to change. And, and, and what does have to change for us to take that next step? Is it, uh, you know, deregulations? Is it uh, just the, the time that people have to take to adjust to cannabis being legal and, and shedding that stigma? What do you think the biggest thing is that has to happen for cannabis tourism to take that next step? Great question. So I would say number one is education. Get informed, you know, understand the cannabis industry and, and see if there's a fit for your business. And then secondly, you know, is there a demand? Do you have customers who are already interested in cannabis or asking questions about it? And if that's the case, then maybe it's something you want to consider, you know? And then you look at, okay, if this is the demand or this is our property or the assets that we have, how can we then think about um, incorporating cannabis? And I mean, People are saying to me, oh, I don't know if I want to get into it because I don't know if I can market it. And they're right. It's very difficult. There are ways to do it. You have to be quite creative and you have to have good legal counsel so that you don't make mistakes. You have to understand the cannabis act, especially in your particular region. But um, I think things, like you said, are going to change over time. And so it's just being patient with yourself, with the industry as things evolve. And, you know, it was a bit of a green rush up until now. And now there's the bit, the bit of the sobering moment where it's like, okay, you know, um, the revenue didn't translate as fast as everyone wanted it to on the stock market. But, um, you know, it, it's not going away. And those that are going to do it quality and do it well are going to be the survivors. And I would say that anybody who's involved in the cannabis industry right now on the rec side has a big responsibility to be, um, to be responsible, I guess, you know, to be accountable, to, to take it very seriously and create an environment where people are in, in a safe zone and that you're protecting them while you're trying to provide an enjoyment area. It's the same as if you were creating um, a bar and you were, or you were having a, a festival and there was alcohol being served. You know, you need security. You need to know how to keep your guests safe. If there's a problem, you know, what resources do you have to help people? Um, and then, you know, are you providing safe rides? Things like that. You know, are you following smart serve rules when you're serving people or, you know, handling your guests? Um, if you're a chef and you want to create a culinary experience, you know, can you, have you gotten certified? There are a few certifications that you can do. Uh, Lift & Co. and MAD have partnered together for a dispenser server um, certification, very much like a smart serve for alcohol that they can go through to understand about intoxication and dosing and that sort of thing. Um, but similarly for chefs, when they're 
curating a meal and it goes well beyond the gummies and the chocolate, um, you know, how do they make sure that they're providing the right uh, amount of THC based on the experience that the customer is providing. So the cannabis cooking company is offering these certifications um, and training programs to chefs. So it's, you know, it's education, it's, in, it's investment, and it's also finding the right partner. So as I said before, partnerships are really key, which is why I wanted to bring the tour in the two industries together. If you are a tourism professional, it'll be very hard for you to ramp up from ground zero and understanding cannabis and, and, you know, create a licensed facility and start growing right away. That's a, that's a big undertaking. It's going to take you a while versus having an education about the industry and then looking for those partners who are already experts and doing something really well that matches your style, your quality, and just being able to know how to identify those quality partners so you don't pick the wrong one because we've all heard the can trust story. So nobody wants to pick that partner. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's navigating the industry, education, um, taking a, a position where you want to become responsible, and then finding those partnerships and, and and testing and learning. You know, I I think you need to do some small things first to see how things go and what the response is, and then grow from there. So when when it comes to our country, which is legal uh, countrywide versus the United States, that is just state by state. How would you compare cannabis tourism in Canada compared to that in the United States? It's a great question. So in the U.S., it's extremely regional, right? Every state has their own regional rules. It's not legally federally. So if you're in California, the rules are very different than um, if you're in Florida, where in Florida, it's only um, legal for medicinal. So the can of tourism in Florida is going to be very different from what it is in California, where in California they have, um, you know, hotels and restaurants and tours already going. Same thing with Colorado and Denver. They have a lot going on there, too. But you have to be very careful about state lines. So if you're driving <laughs> and all of a sudden you're crossing a state line and you're carrying some product that might be legal in Colorado and you cross over to another state where it's not, you're in trouble. Right. So you have to be very aware of the rules and the region that you're in as a tourist. And then that's where I say the tour companies and the retailers and the people who are providing the product and hosting our guests, our tourists, need to help make these people understand the do's and the don'ts. In Canada, it's also very regional because every province has different, slightly different regulations. Um, however, you can carry it through provincial borders. It is legal on a federal basis. So I could actually take it on a domestic flight, whereas um, you can't do that in the U.S. as far as I know. So those are some of the nuances there. And then the retail environment is very different in every province in this country as well. So in Ontario, we have uh, around 25 legal retail outlets. In Alberta, they have about 300. Yeah, over 300. over 300. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So every day they're, and they, they, and I think Saskatoon just said they've opened it up. There's no cap on licenses wow. and they'll open it up for small towns and big towns. So those two provinces are the most advanced from a retail perspective, which would also mean that they would be slightly more advanced from a tourism perspective because they could tell their guests, Oh, you can go down the street and buy it here. And just mapping it from the hotel is one way to provide a, a can of tourism info thing you know and that hotel is now linking to that retailer um 
Whereas in Ontario, if I'm coming from Michigan, let's say, and I want to go to Collingwood where I was, well, you can't actually buy it there. You can't, there is no retail outlet in, in uh, Simcoe County. You'd have to drive to Toronto to get it. So can I order it? Where do I order it from? Who delivers? Can I order it to my hotel? So it's these types of questions that people are looking for answers for. So again, it's regional. And then in Quebec, it's very different. They just increased the age limit to 21. Mm-hmm. So as of January, what I think there's a, a legacy until the end of the year. So if you're under 21, they're probably stockpiling and to their max before you know it flips over. So again, it's very important to understand what the rules are in each province. Some of them it's 18, some it's 19, some 21. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's strange. That way, how um, we're legal uh, countrywide, but every province has its different regulations. It's and it and it does make it very confusing. So if you are traveling, um, you, you need like I'm going back to Manitoba this weekend, and I'm you know trying to find out all the um, you know where you can get it, how you can get it, uh, where you can consume mm-hmm. it, and things like that. Because uh, you know the last thing you know the part of the reasons I started this podcast is to you know educate people, and I'm also trying to entertain at the same time, but educate them mm-hmm. on this. Uh, you know, guide through legalization because uh, we there's there's people that want it to mess up. There are people that uh, want to, it to make mistakes, and and everybody's watching this mm-hmm. country right now, and we have to make sure, you know, to be, uh, as responsible cannabis users, we have to set an example that is is a positive one. Um, and I, and I guess you know, uh, hopefully we've been doing that for the past year. I think we have for the most part, and and now. Uh, hopefully before Christmas, we'll be able to see some uh, new things under the tree. I don't know if it's going to happen just yet before Christmas, but season two, as I call it, is uh, soon upon us. Um, you know, how much is this going to change? You mentioned before uh, about uh, not smoking. If you've never smoked cigarettes, the idea of smoking a joint might be disgusting to you. So how do you think season mm-hmm. two is going to open up things uh, to our country in general and, and cannabis tourism? Yeah, well, I think the beverage market is going to be something that's to watch. Um, that will be very interesting. So the fact that Molson Coors and Constellation Brands have heavily invested in trust, and they've announced six different flavors that they're planning on having on shelves on December 17th. So it'll be interesting to see if they make that timing. I imagine they're such a big organization that they will. Um, so, you know, I think there are a lot of people are betting on that. And that they'll they'll open it up to a new customer who would never, as you said, smoke, but would be willing to maybe try a beverage. Um, so that'll be an interesting development there. And um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Like, there's all kinds of projections. Many people are saying it's anywhere from 2 to $4 billion. Um, I heard numbers that the cannabis industry, both black, gray, and legal market, is worth $7 billion. Well, in order to get rid of the black market, what do we need to do? Well, we need to provide a great environment in the legal market, great price point, great product, access, uh, places to consume, information, education, safety. All of those things are going to lead to um, a more formalized and respectable industry, which will be a legacy industry for the world, you know, to your point, because Canada is looking like the model right now. And uh, I think we have a, a, a big responsibility to do it well. I totally agree. And and hopefully we are in the eyes of uh, of the rest of the world. Uh, Jennifer, this has been a, an enlightening conversation. It's a, a topic that I'm very interested in because uh, as I travel, I want to, um, you know, 
be an environment that I'm comfortable in uh, when using my cannabis. And cannabis-friendly tourism is something that I'm very much interested in. And hopefully it uh, grows as we grow uh, this industry. Thank you so much. And I uh, I look forward to uh, the next event that you're putting on. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and interest. And I, too, am very excited. And we all just have to watch and see what happens. All right. Thank you very much to Jennifer Mason from New Heights Cannabis, the founder of the New Heights Cannabis Summit. Uh, As mentioned, uh, looking forward to uh, attending that event uh, in the future. And you can uh, follow uh, Jennifer at uh, JLM Marketing. Uh, Speaking of Twitter, we have a 420 followers contest going right now. And it's simple. You just need to be following us at the Cannabis 101. Search for it on Twitter at the Cannabis 101. It's simple. As long as you're following us, when we hit 420 followers, you'll be in the mix for a Cannabis 101 prize pack. Right now, we're about 75 followers shy, so you got a little bit of time. Uh, but make sure you're following at the Cannabis 101. Tell your friends and get on the action. You could go home with a Cannabis. 101 podcast prize pack. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for cannabis characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. All right, so on Cannabis Characters, uh, on Cannabis Characters this week, I'm going with the guy who was just eliminated in the Cannabis Character Cup. Uh, That is Carl Spackler, uh, played by Bill Murray in Caddyshack. And this is maybe Bill Murray's most iconic role. He's a greenskeeper who dreams of Augusta killing gophers and getting stoned. And then he comes upon Ty Webb played by Chevy Chase golfing in the evening. And, uh, Webb's ball ends up in uh, Carl Spackler, Bill Murray's, uh, terrible, disgusting apartment. But they come to discover that, uh, Carl ain't no dummy. I invented my own kind of grass, too. Did you know that? Look at this. This is registered. Carl Spackler Bent. Oh, yeah. I've felt grass like this before. I've played on this stuff. This is a hybrid. This is a cross, uh, a bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass uh, featherbed bent and uh, Northern California sensimia. The amazing stuff about this is that you can play 36 holes on it in the afternoon, take it home and just get stoned in a bejesus belt that night on this stuff. I got pounds of this stuff. Here. No, thank you. No, I don't, I don't, uh... Sir, let's have a little bit of this. I get the big Bob Marley joint. Look at this. Here, try this. Carl, I, uh, I really don't do this very often. You're gonna love this. this is dynamite hack. Watch out for this. Well, maybe one drag, I gotta go. <coughs> it's a little harsh. <coughs> but here, cannonball it. <coughs> right back. Right <coughs> back. And then one more, he's right on top of Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. No. 
All right, so it's just a, an, an awesome scene. Uh, Bill Murray's really good in it. I, I know Ghostbusters was awesome, and he's had some really amazing movies, but Bill Murray as uh, Carl Spackler, who dreams of playing in Augusta and grows his own grass. I love it. You can play 18 holes, go home, and smoke the bejesus out of it. What a great line. Uh, it's a great scene in a terrific movie. Carl Spackler, played by Bill Murray, is our cannabis character. And I want to tell you before we get to what's that strain with Chris Ionson about the Cannabis 101 podcast YouTube channel. Uh, you can check it out. Just search for it on YouTube, the Cannabis 101 podcast. Uh, we have uh, reviews of products. Um, we are in the process of um, getting a video set up here in the studio. Uh, so we will then be putting up uh, videos of uh, certain segments that we do here on the show. Uh, but we do have giveaways. I am going to be uh, doing a review coming up of uh, the uh, Zeus uh, GT Arc, Arc GT uh, vape that I have. Um, I'm really digging it. I'm just, I want to be able to figure all this stuff out before I do reviews. So I've been uh, just uh, using it for the last little while. And I'm just waiting for uh, the adapter uh, to get here so I can uh, get to know that even more. And then I'll... Uh, I'll do a review of that up there, but uh, looking forward to doing some product reviews and uh, putting up some different segments and, and even whole shows. Uh, so that's the Cannabis 101 Podcast YouTube channel. Check it out. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. <laughs> All right, uh, time to find out uh, more great details about delicious strains. Chris Ionson, as you heard, of Nova Cannabis and our educator with me as usual. Thanks again for making it out to St. Albert, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. All right, Outlaw Amnesia is on the menu tonight from Acreage Farms Limited. It is a sativa-dominant hybrid, so um, we'll tell you exactly about uh, when you should be using this as we go. But let's talk about the uh, the LP, Acreage Farms Limited. Uh, they started out, first of all, like a lot of LPs in the medicinal game. Yeah, they did. Um, so uh, in May 2018, uh, they received their license to uh, to sell cannabis medicinally, uh, kind of pre-legalization. Um, but I guess before that, let's let's get into kind of who acquired them sure. uh, first. Inv Invictus is kind of a, the the big parent company there. Um, they acquired uh, Acreage Farms in uh, April of 2017, and under their umbrella, they've got Canandia, which is a grow. Uh, facility in bc uh ab labs which is in ontario and then apl now in alberta so they kind of they're the big parent company mm. apl is their recreational brand though that they've kind of released into uh right now it's just in uh alberta and um ontario um and they're break they're going to be breaking into the other provinces soon all right so um this is uh you know when we look at acreage farms limited though a uh, homegrown Alberta company uh, located uh, just outside of Edson. Yeah, yeah, right in the foothills of the Alberta Rocky Mountains. Uh, Beautiful. In uh, in Piers, Alberta. 
Um, and so they've got uh, 280 acres of available land to grow on. Um, they've already kind of uh, done a couple of ins- expansions to their facility. So in uh, earlier this year, they completed their phase two expansion. Uh, it was 32,000 square feet added onto their existing facility. It was 11 large rooms, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those for, for growing and a couple of them for uh, like research and development and kind of genetics and creating new strains. Um, and then right now in the works is their phase three expansion, uh, which is 80,000 square feet. Uh, and that's going to be 36 ultra mar- ultra modern environmentally controlled rooms. Mm. Um, so a lot of cool things coming down the pipe for them. They are definitely on the, on the rise and they're a growing company for mm-hmm. sure. Literally, uh, expanding with a, a couple of phases as well. And, um, you know, they've, They've got some uh, product availability, 10 different uh, strains, and uh, and I'd imagine um, more on the way. So that's pretty exciting. They have a lot of product availability, some variety. Yeah, yeah they do, uh, for sure. Um, it's always uh, available in stock, too. Like, uh, you know, as a retail, uh, as I run a retail store, it's, you know, readily available. Right. So uh, good on them for having the stock around. Good consistency, yeah. which is not always the case uh, with uh, yeah. uh, with uh, different uh, LPs for whatever reasons. But uh, consistency right. is key when, you know, if I'm an LP, uh, you know, when you call, I want to be, yeah, we got it ready. Yeah. I, I don't ever want any interruption for my customer that comes in every week to grab something from uh, acreage farms limited so consistency is so key in in grabbing a foothold in this business isn't it yeah very much so uh, from a store owner's perspective i'd imagine or, or a store yeah. uh, manager whatever it might be yeah it definitely I, th- I think too a lot of it uh plays into you know i'm not actually able, able to like call acreage farms and be like hey i'm out of oa i need some more oa right it doesn't quite work that way here in alberta like we've got you know we've got the aglc that we deal with and uh they've got the big centralized sure. warehouse um but um yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, I also want to mention, Dean, um, APL, they just got their license to produce uh, cannabis oil products mm-hmm. too. So they'll be uh, releasing some oils and capsules into the market here mm-hmm. soon too. Yeah, and uh, you can find out, we're going to tell you the uh, website information in a second, but uh, some of that information uh, is available about that uh, cannabis oil on their uh, website. So uh, the history of outlaw amnesia, uh, tell us a little bit about the lineage of this strain. Yeah, so Outlaw Amnesia is uh, a cross of Amnesia uh, and Super Haze. And it's kind of kind of an interesting one because uh, Amnesia is uh, Super Silver Haze. Uh, so essentially you're crossing Super Silver Haze with Super Haze. That's a lot of haze. Yeah, there, it is. There, there is a, uh, a definite haze about this. Uh, where did, where did uh, Outlaw Amnesia come from? Uh, it was created by the... Uh, uh, Dutch seed bank, uh, Dutch passion. Uh, they're out of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the early two thousands. Um, yeah. And it won, uh, you know, the cannabis cup, uh, in two, 2001 first place and, uh, in 2000 or 2004, pardon me. Uh, and then 10 years later, uh, won first place at the uh, sativa cup. So that's some staying power. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, uh, you know, winning the heart trophy 10 years apart or something like that, right? Like uh, not a lot of people get that done. So that's good. It's got some staying power. And, and, you know, going back back to uh, the Dutch Passion Seed Bank in Amsterdam, um, you know, the, you know, a group that's responsible for a lot of the really great strains were 
able to enjoy today. Not all of them, but it's groups like that that uh, yeah. you know, made these available, and you know you could you could order them and things like that. And, and you know they all, took some risks. Yeah, they did, and and all over the world too. So you know people were buying their seeds right. all over the world, and and just kind of spreading that cannabis culture yeah. globally. So hey, all those seed banks there. Uh, pioneers and yeah uh, totally they, they deserve a shout out cheers to them for sure yeah. so the website is www.acreagefarms.ca and farms is p-h-a-r-m-s yeah we should mention that so acreagefarms.ca and uh, they have their strains listed and some of the information about what's coming up next uh, so you can uh, check that out uh, with them um this is the the batch that i picked up for this uh, the THC is uh, 14.62% and uh, 0.05 uh, for CBD. So 14.62 THC, uh, a mid-range, yep. would you call yep. it? Like uh, kind of the, is it the uh, mid of the mid-range or low of the mid-range? Or what, what, where would your low end at? About 10, 12, I think we kind of yeah, said like around the, there. Like 10.5 would be the low end of my okay, mid. Yeah. So this is the mid of yep. the mid-range, yep. you would almost say. Yeah, so uh, certainly um, uh, a second step for the cannabis user. Mm -hmm. uh, not a starter strain, but, uh, you know, and it is a, 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 dom a sativa dominant. So um, a higher THC than you, what you want to start with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you got to note that it's a, you know, sativa dominant hybrid. So definitely a head high with it. Uh, yes. I, I would, would want to warn kind of newer consumers, even if you're intermediate, um, you know, you might get a little uh, baked in your head and, mm -hmm. you know, overthink things a little bit and just cut, you know, that cannabis uh, paranoia. Sure. Uh, but not to worry, all will be well. Yes. Uh, there is uh just let it pass. Yeah. If you do run into that, it's one, um, you, you know, if you can just somehow relax or hopefully have a friend with you, uh, I, I just best. tell people it's nothing bad is going to happen to you. Um, you're going to maybe feel a little bit of paranoid if you're paranoia, if you're in that situation and then probably get a little bit sleepy and, and relax mm -hmm. and you just got to let it pass. But this is one of those strains that you probably should put on your list to step up to, uh, if you're new to cannabis. Yeah. So when we talk about outlaw amnesia and the name, uh, I, I'm, I imagine uh, it, there, there's a, a pre-legalization reason for it. Yeah, I think uh, definitely. I mean, amnesia is in, in the genetics there and then the outlaw uh, kind of comes from, you know, stuff was grown on the outlaw side of things. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Uh, I dig it for sure. Uh, okay, this is a little bit different uh, when we look at this uh, specific strain and uh, this is a, a one gram pouch. Uh, that I have here, and that's what it is. It's a it's a bit of a a, a pouch or a bag. Yeah. You want to talk about this? Yeah, for sure. We we call it a it's like a small black foil bag. Right. Uh, so it's foil lined. Uh, helps with the smell. Uh, it's got kind of a, a little bit of a tricky. The, the first time I ever opened one of these, I just I ripped the bag. Uh, ended up cutting the bag open because I couldn't get into it. Uh, but there is a little like uh, tab on the back side of the bag that you kind of slide your thumb into mm. and open the bag up that way. So it is childproof. Um, the first time might seem a little bit trick, but it gets easier. And especially when you know that. So, uh, yeah. um, and, and you know what, this is pretty rare. I think uh, a lot of them are in tubs or tubes or yeah. things like that. Um, you know, bags are rare and cuts down on the packaging, the excessive packaging. Um, I would be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, um, 
three and a half grams or maybe getting a little bit squished sometimes. Yeah. That's what I, you know, at least the tub protects it. That yeah. would be my only worry with this. Yeah. And we do run into that when we, you know, crack open a box of, of 3.5 grams in, in those foil bags. Mm -hmm. Uh, does seem a little squished. It's kind of a bummer too to count uh, <laughs> for you guys. Yeah. yeah, on on the retail side of things, when you know we're going to you know count uh, what's in the vault at tubs. You know they stack on top of each other. Easy. I know that's a stack of five times five. That's twenty five. You know the bags. <laughs> it takes a lot longer. Yeah, you got to count them uh, uh, individually. Okay, when we get this open, um, I saw the first thing. I thought uh, smaller, dense buds. And and listen, we have talked time and time again. Uh, that just because you open it up and you look at dense buds or small buds, don't be disappointed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've taken something that uh, has small buds that I didn't think was the amount when, you know, when I first was buying uh, legal cannabis, I thought, oh, I, I got ripped off here. Mm -hmm. Threw it on my scale. It was exact. Yeah. You know, the size doesn't mean yeah. everything. Yeah. It's just be yeah, the density uh, of, right. of the bud is going to get that weight there. And when you do grind it up, it's going to fluff into a bigger that's pile. Right. So. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about this. And uh, what, are you, what are you seeing when you look at it? Yeah. So uh, definitely some uh, dark green buds, uh, really kind of nice forest green color, uh, brown pistols, and uh, a pretty good tri trichome coverage al along the buds. Yeah. And, and that's important. Uh, as we say, take your cannabis home, throw it under a light microscope, uh, mm. you know, uh, anything, uh, um, you know, you take a look and see what it really looks like, how the colors look uh, that close up. So... I definitely, and, and I love doing it. Uh, I love checking it out. It's like a science class that I like. You know, I did not yeah. like science as a kid, but this part of science, I do really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do too, buddy. I, I do it with all my new strains. Uh, I'm a weed nerd. It's, yeah, you know, it's that's good. Pr proud to be. Yeah, me too. Uh, all right, and uh, the terpenes, I love getting into this because uh, the terpenes play such an important uh, impact in you know, um, how you experience the cannabis. So what are we looking at, uh, with outlaw amnesia when it comes to terpenes? Yeah. With, uh, with the OA, we've got four main terpenes. Uh, myrcene is the, uh, predominant, uh, terpene there. And that's kind of the earthy, uh, flavor and smell. Right. Uh, pinene is in there as well, uh, as well as limonene and terpinaline and terpinaline is that kind of fruity and fresh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to get, uh, on, on the, different ends of the spectrum, some earthy, fruity, uh, taste, smell. When we look at this, we'll, we'll dive more into that after desired effect. Uh, so this is something, um, we talked before, um, you want to be ready after you hit it, you want to be ready. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it comes on fast. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely. It's, uh, it's a nice clear and uplifting high though. Uh, I find that there's, you know, good focus, uh, with it too. Yeah. Uh, nice energetic buzz. Um, but it's mainly a head high. There's kind of real subtle body effects to it. It's, yeah. it's, it's all head for me. Good boost, uh, to focus as well. Right. Like, uh, kind of allows you to, to kind of laser in on things and things like that. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, it's very thought provoking too. Yeah. Uh, sometimes maybe too thought provoking. <laughs> Is there such a thing? Uh, well, that, that, I think that's where maybe that's, uh, that kind of, you know, that head high anxiety conformer. You're just overthinking things. So, okay. Uh, it's definitely uh, a cannabis that gets your brain kind of racing. Yeah. It's like a mind race. I call that uh, in, in our family, we call it bingo balls. Uh, we, like you ever go to bed and you can't shut your mind off. It's like all these thoughts <laughs> bouncing around. You ever see like bingo balls yeah. in the round thing? I, like, I get that. That's, That's kind good. Of, it's kind of what we go with. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, if, if, if this is, this is certainly 
um, a, a day strain with it being a dominant sativa. So you're not going to uh, be trying to go to sleep with these bingo balls because of this, but it <laughs> might help the creativity if you're brainstorming for something with, uh, you know, a group or a, you know, a project or something like that. You got to come up with some ideas. This might get the ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Um, I think, yeah, that, that kind of creative work where mm -hmm. you just need to like kind of shift your focus a little bit, uh, smoke some away. Uh, any kind of hazes uh, do it for me with the, with like getting creative. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fan of hazes. I've, I was a big sativa person before legalization. That was kind of my thing. And then kind of got into the, all these amazing indicas that are really right for the right time. And uh, but yeah, hazes, big fan of them. All right. So... Sure. New, uh, I guess, new topic we're adding into what's that strain? What's it good for? Yeah. And not meaning like, why Why would you do this? But what's it good for? What goes well? You know, I do the uh, segment earlier in the show, what pairs well with cannabis in general? You know, what is this strain specifically good for when we're looking at it? Yeah, so OA is good for... Um yeah, like being active, uh, cleaning the house. I think it would be that's that's one of been one of my go tos. Uh, creative work too. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, playing the guitar, uh, painting, uh, doing graphic work, nice, uh, uh, whatever. I think any kind of creative work always good for that. Okay, uh, and being outdoors too. I, I see like OA and like Horlack Park on a nice uh, you know June sunny day. Go for a walk in the fall here, yeah. and uh, you know get outdoors and. Uh, I like that. Yeah, um, I do think too. Uh, nice wake and bake. Uh, yeah. Kind of like you know, coffee in the morning. Like yeah, just kind of jumpstart your day. Uh, kind of gets your head going uh, right off the hop. All right. Yeah. All right. So definitely, if you need to get the creative juices going, or you got something uh, that you want to get done and you want to enjoy just a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe you pack a bowl of uh, Outlaw Amnesia, throw the earbuds on, and clean the house. Be done in no time. Yeah, that's that's perfect. All right. Okay, taste test. I'm going to fire this up. You tell me uh, what people can expect uh, when they uh, do smokes a little uh, outlaw amnesia. Yeah. So uh, the kind of the main taste and flavor there is is earthy, uh, definitely for me. Uh, but you've kind of got like a freshness to it uh, with kind of tones of of fruitiness and citrus to it. Um, and a little kind of light sour. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was definitely earthy is kind of the, the main flavor of it. Um, what are your thoughts? What'd you think? Yeah, I, I get the earthy tones off the bat, uh, but I also a little bit of, I, I can taste the sour in there too. Yeah. Um, like the, I think it's uh, earthy, uh, fruity, and then tinges of, uh, of sour uh, as you kind of go. Not, not strong, yeah. but not as strong as the earthy, and the uh, the citrus fruity, uh, but it is the the sour is there as well, which is it's just a really nice contrast to it. It's it's just kind of balances like too far on the sweet, yeah, it's not great for me. Too far on the sour, but you know if you got like seventy percent sweet, thirty percent sour, that's a nice balance. Yeah, yeah, I get that, man. Yeah, I enjoy that. So yeah, uh, a little earthy, uh, fruity, uh, tinges of sour. Uh, with Outlaw Amnesia. It is a Sativa dominant hybrid from Acreage Farms Limited. All right, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, enjoying this uh, little uh, late morning, early afternoon um, pickup or go-getter if I got something to do. Yeah. When I don't have a whole lot of talking to do, uh, uh, for the most part, uh, I do got to do those uh, sports shows and 
I just don't know if that will mix as well with it. But uh, after the show, maybe I yeah, could see it. For sure. All right, um, it is cannabis awards season. Uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, we talk about different awards, and this is, uh, you know, Canadian cannabis awards uh, this weekend in Toronto. You're going to be there. Yep. What's going on in Toronto this weekend? Oh boy, yeah, a whole bunch is going on there. Um, so uh, November eighth, uh, Friday, November eighth. At the Fairmont Royal York Hotel, um, the uh, Lifting Co. is putting on the Canadian Cannabis Awards uh, Gala. And uh, yeah, they're going to be announcing a whole bunch of uh, really cool categories. Um, and you guys, your store and uh, one of your guys, yeah, you know, yeah, we're, you're we're up it. for some hardware. Yeah, we are. So uh, yeah, my Nova off-white location there is in the uh, shortlisted for the top six in uh, top retail locations in in Canada, and uh, one of my guys, Jordan Prentice, is in the top six for top bud tenders. So, so at the very worst, you guys are sixth best, mm-hmm. and he is sixth best in Canada. Even if that's all you accomplished, that's pretty freaking amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, it don't is. you? When you look, you know, you want to win, yeah, obviously, but big time. Even if you don't, you step back and look big picture and be like, "Wow, we're sixth, or fifth, or fourth, or first. Who knows what yeah. it is? It's just amazing to be in that top six. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's quite an honor. Like when I first heard the news, uh, it was pretty awesome. All right. So what else do we have for different categories? Um, what are some of the categories, um, you know, that you will be watching uh, different people win and what can, what some of the categories? Yeah. So they've kind of got a few, a few different sections of, of the categories here. So uh, there's the cannabis products uh, awards. So with that, there's the flower section, top indica, top sativa and top hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, excited to see kind of wh- where that uh, lands because there's been a bunch of really good options for that. I definitely have my picks. Uh, I, d- right. I did. I did put in my votes for this. Good. 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 Uh, and then there's going to be some oil awards too. Top uh, high CBD. Top high THC. Top balanced oil. Uh, top cannabis spray. That's a new category this year. Uh, and top cannabis capsules. Okay. Uh, and then there's pre rolls too. Which uh, and then it's just going to be the three cultivars: top sativa, pre roll, indica. So that's new too. Pre rolls. Yeah, that is a um, whole new so- category. Uh, and that's interesting. So that's probably taking into account when you get it, you know, how the, the, the state of it, uh, mm-hmm. the state of the role, not just the flower, but how does that take into account? Like how it burns and all that? Because otherwise you're just rating flower twice. Yeah. No, so I it's think it's be definitely how it burns, uh, yeah. how it's rolled. Too. That's right. Yeah. Um, the look, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some companies just have a, a poor quality, uh, rolling machine and it, it's noticeable. Yeah. And some guys, you know, the more expensive pre-rolls, they spend that extra money and it's, right. it's noticeable. Okay. So that's interesting. And, uh, do you find pre-rolls are getting more and more popular? Yeah, big time. Um, like just the convenience factor, it's right? The convenience, like even for myself, I, I buy pre-rolls too and I, I can roll like yeah. a champ. I, 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 um, you know what? I'm that way too. I, I just, uh, I just, every store I go into, it's the first thing I think of getting. Or if I <laughs> grab something, um, I just love it. Uh, I don't know why. I've just yeah. got, I've just gotten so much more excited about joints and pre-rolls than I ever have been in the last four or five months. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I, I find too. Yeah. There's just always new, new fun options too. Sure. So I always try and like 
try out a new LP's got a pre-roll. I want to see what it's like, what their filters like, what kind of paper do they use? Right. So yeah. awesome. Um, I'm sure there's some product category or some accessory categories. Uh, yeah. At the awards too. Yeah, there definitely is. So we've got uh, there's going to be a top vaporizer award, uh, which. Uh, Obviously, there's. Yeah, I have the uh, the Arc uh, GT, the Zeus. Oh, yeah. I got it from T Vape, um, so I'm sure there'll be some uh, some of those guys that's representing. A, that's a great vape. It the, is. Yeah, the GT. And I'm just waiting actually on the Bong apparatus. Oh right. So it can, uh, you know, I'll like like how healthy is that going to be? I'm going to be vaping through my hexagon. Yeah. So a, wa water filtered vape. A, a coal, yeah. a frozen hexagon filtered uh with a uh a, a vape flower so man yeah that's healthy yeah that's living your best life that is that is ah oh, so I'm, I'm i'm hoping for them yeah um uh, that, yeah so so lots of different categories yeah there's uh top rolling papers top okay. cones uh top pipe and bong uh and top home growing box too uh that's something we haven't really seen here in alberta like okay. as much on our, our and the rec stores but uh there definitely is some growing kits out there like yeah. the stealth box. stealth box yeah yeah so that should be interesting to see um there's gonna be awards too on like organizations and people uh i'm pretty pumped about like there's entrepreneur of the year uh should be interesting mm. startup of the year um woman in weed uh trailblazer, that's a great category isn't it yeah. uh they had that last year i saw the i watched the speech given it it's great uh I love that that side of our industry that it's, you know, what we just started here. Um, everything's equal. We, we, we've got just as many men and women yeah. working in this industry. And listen, um, you know, your company is a, a prime example of that uh, with, uh, you know, Marcy Kuziak in the position that she's in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Marcy, like, yeah, I feel like Marcy should have been up for this category. She's uh, been a tremendous part of, of Nova Cannabis yeah. and uh, just leading us you know, into, into this wild time. Yeah. Um, it's a easy, an easy person to follow. Cause she, you know, she excites, uh, you know, just the, in the meetings that we had in, in setting up this segment, I just felt really, uh, I don't know, uh, just excited about this venture because uh, you know, the way she handles herself and, and, and conducts herself and, uh, yeah. just gives off that confidence. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been a pleasure working yeah. uh, with her here. Yeah, I'm glad there's a, a, a women in cannabis because just you know it's it's been painfully obvious over the last number, however many years, that uh, you know women need to be equally treated and given those opportunities. And with cannabis being that brand new industry, yeah. you can start off everybody on that level playing field. So that's awesome. Yeah, so you guys are going to have a lot of fun uh, in Toronto at that. Uh, and then these awards are going to grow and, you know, as season two comes upon us, you know, when you look at next year's awards, you're going to have so many more categories. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of trying to figure out what, uh, you know, some of the future awards are going to be. And I, you know, obviously they will have, you know, best vape, best disposable vape, mm -hmm. uh, best edibles, best beverage, um, Possibly maybe best ad campaign. When we get there. And when we get there, uh, you know, when things lighten up a bit, because there's a lot of real fun stuff you can do with marketing oh, with cannabis. Oh my goodness, you know, some of the stuff that people do uh, just on social media with photography is great. Yeah. And imagine you get some creative minds that can put together a 30 second ad about cannabis that, um, you know, isn't gonna show off a, a bad stigma or stereotype about yeah. the plant, right? Like. You know, balance out those PSAs of the guy that can't remember what he wants at the drive-through because 
None of my friends act like that. Uh, so when we get to being able to portray cannabis for what it is and how important it is, uh, the, the creative juices are really going to be flowing for a lot of people. So that will be a fun category when we get there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there's we, we're just in for... Nothing but uh, nothing but fun. It's going to be just an amazing ride, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with hiccups and speed bumps here and there. But everyone yeah. just kind of needs to understand that it's a new industry. And it's got to have time to grow. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck this weekend, man. Enjoy it. Thanks, have a lot Dave. of fun. And, yeah. uh, and I hope that we're uh, chatting next week about uh, uh, some awards for Nova Cannabis. Yeah. Right, buddy. It'd be, it'll be great to, uh, to walk the stage if we can make that happen. All right. So uh, earlier we chatted about Outlaw Amnesia from Acreage Farms Limited, a sativa dominant hybrid. Chris, thanks very much for coming out. Good luck in Toronto. Thanks, Dean. All right. There's Chris Ionson from Nova Cannabis, the off-white location. And if you would like to be a part of what's that strain you can we're calling it what's your strain because we want to do the strain you want us to do it's simple first of all pick out a strain you would like us to do email me at cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com that's cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com tell us what strain you want us to review. If we choose you, you will not only get to sit in and participate in the segment, but I'm going to give you a $100 shopping spree with Chris Ionson as your personal shopper. He's going to help you out personally. I'm going to pay for it. Win, win, win. So if you want to be a part of What's That Strain with your strain, send me an email, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And just before we go, I want you to get a mood storage box for free. We're giving away a beachcomber. It's simple. All you do is follow us at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter, as well as our great friends at Spirit Leaf Argyle. They're at Argyle Plaza. That's A-R-G-Y-L-L -L Plaza. And hit us both up with the hashtag beachcomber. This contest is coming to an end soon. But if you want to get a beachcomber storage box, follow us at the Cannabis 101. Follow Spirit Leaf Argyle Plaza at Argyle Plaza and use the hashtag beachcomber. So tweet us both. Use the hashtag beachcomber and a brand new storage box could be yours. Storage is so important to keep your cannabis fresh. That'll wrap things up. Big thanks to Jennifer Mason uh, from the uh, what sounds like an amazing time, uh, the New Heights Cannabis Summit last Monday in Ontario. Can't wait for the next one, as well as Chris Ionson uh, from the Off-White location. Good luck to him and the rest of the Nova Cannabis and to everybody at the awards this weekend in Toronto. Thanks so much for joining me on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Mm -hmm.